0: weren't loaning us very well into wisdom, and we decided let's kind of put some of those things aside, take that time, put it into the Word of God. And Proverbs is an interesting book to read, is it not? You, you can read one proverb and stop there for the next six years, or you can read an entire chapter in like three minutes. But it's funny how I just read a, a chapter today, uh, you know, chapter 30, and as I was reading it today, you know, I say, what'd you read? I say, I don't really know, but there's one verse about humility that's just really bothering me. How many guys, you don't know how arrogant you are until someone says you should be humble. You're like, I'm totally humble. That's an arrogant thing to say, you know, and it's being a servant to other people. So I, I just encourage you, no matter how many times you've read it. So I, I've been reading it all month. I'm not sure what's getting in. I'd say this. You had lunch three days ago too. You don't remember what it was, but pr- I promise you, it's still helping you? You had dinner a year ago, and, and I'm probably somehow, at some reason, it's, it's still helping you? So getting in the Word is its own victory. Getting your mind fixed on the things of God is, in a way, its own victory. Now, getting those things into us so that it becomes who we are, there's a series of challenges. But I promise you, if you'll stay in the Word, the Word will get into you. And when the Word gets into you, then you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is this summer seminar series. that starts next week. we got 13 weeks of being transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're gonna get into biology and anatomy and physiology and science and philosophy and dopamine and and all and, and scripture and being transformed and all this great stuff. So we're gonna see how brilliant, how brilliant the scriptures are and how science is just recently caught up with saying, you know what the Bible says is true about this? So your mind and your brain being separated separate entities and how your mind can actually change the physiology of your brain, which changes the DNA makeup of your body. How many of you know you can literally be transformed by the renewing of your mind? So we're going to dedicate some some exercises in this. Not exercise. I don't, mean, I don't mean exercise. I mean like exercise. We're going to be applying ourselves on this. So let me give you a quick, um, first of all, live stream. Hi, Graham Blake House Campus. Hi. Um, but Dina, you guys have been asking about Dina. I, I just realized this last week, we didn't tell you what her surgery was. And some of you are like, I, I didn't want to ask because... It might be a girl thing, you know. And it, what it was is her L4, L5, L4, L5, and S1. Um, she roto had the roto-rooted, uh, the S1, so her sciatic nerve actually goes down her legs instead of getting crushed by the L5. The L4 and the L5 are now like, like L together. You know, they're, they're one now. So she had a spinal fusion. This was week three. Tomorrow will be her, her third uh, week anniversary of the surgery. And the hardest part of the whole thing has been you can't keep a good woman down. Dina, sit still, is nothing I've ever said in 32 years of marriage. You know what I mean? And now it's the right thing to say. So she learned through trial and error. Hey, that was too much. Well, how do you know? Because I'm in agony and I can't move for two days. Good. So pain again, beautiful teacher. But she is doing so well. She's up. She she sat at a wedding yesterday for an hour and a half. One of those little cheap folding white chairs. The chairs that weigh like four ounces. It costs like $4, and you sit in them, and, and it costs you $27 at the chiropractor to fix what happened over the course the of time. She sat in it. She got up. She hit the, 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 the rack Lesson. She goes, I am so tired, but it felt so good to be with people. So your encouragement, your prayers. We're learning a lot, by the way, about pastoring by being on the receiving end of your love and care, and uh, thank you for that. It means, like, how many of you guys know the word koinonia is, where we translate fellowship? But there's another translation. It's called casserole, and the fellowship... The warm, cheesy, gooey fellowship. She had surgery. I put on four pounds. Thanks for that. I appreciate that. That's awesome. She's gonna be back next week. Whether she be on the stage or not, we don't know, but she will be back, and you can give her one of those hugs, kind of like don't hurt, her, don't hurt her hugs, right? A COVID hug, right? One of those hugs. You'll see her next week. Open your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. You ready? Let's wrap this thing up. Here we go. I, I love this verse. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. I could just sit here and just do this and just take every individual word, like for the rest of our time together, and just say, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your... You could just meditate on this, that one sentence. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and whatever you do, don't trust yourself. (laughs) That's a paraphrase of the next sentence. But trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and whatever you do, don't lean on your understanding in all of your ways, submit to him. Acknowledge him. Know that his ways are higher than your ways. And then what you do is you position yourself for him to direct literally the path of your life. Now, that's a paraphrase. Let me read it the way it is. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Look at Proverbs chapter 28. Those who trust in themselves, Yeah. For those that are watching and don't have the same screen. For those who trust themselves, the, the Bible says they're fools. But those who walk in wisdom, this this great Understanding passed down from God to man, written down, translated, and delivered to us for the last month. Those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Now Solomon's doing something. He's showing a contrast. Through this entire book, Solomon and all the other people that are writing in this, he's showing there's different ways to live. There's a wise way to live where God will always, always, always bless. There's a foolish way to live where God will never, never, never bless. Always, always, never, never. How many of you guys you're glad you said on this side and not this side, right? But, but remember this, I said this last week, although God will always bless this and never bless this, God will always be merciful to bring you to where he wants you to be. So if you're, if you're here, like, oh, my life is so full. I did something so bad, I did something so wrong, I, I, I was such a victim, I was such a whatever, no matter where you've ended up, God wants you to be somewhere else. And God is a way of delivering us, forgiving us, healing us, bringing us from orphans to sons and daughters to heirs, right? So Solomon says there's two ways to live. And here's the first way. I, I, uh, I'm sorry, the other way. I trust myself. I trust my understanding. I trust my feelings, my traditions, my culture, my friends, and those who think, see things my way. How I many of us know there's a way that seems right to a man, and the end thereof is death? Right? It, it, and I'll give you a good example in just a moment. There's another way to live. I trust wisdom, I trust God, I trust Scripture. I trust what I'm instructed to do, regardless of my feelings, regardless of my understandings, regardless of my traditions, my culture, and my friends, and on and on it goes. Wisdom is where wisdom gets hard. Wisdom's going to tell you to do things that sound foolish, and foolishness is going to tell you to do things that sound wise. True or false? There are things that I got to do. What? I, like, like I love this one. Um, now nah, we'll get to that in a second. But... Wisdom tells us to do stuff that seems absolutely wrong. My, my mother, my grandma Patterson, she was, a, she was a friendly person. She cheated at cards. She was loud. She was Danish. She was fun. She was a lot of fun. But she would tell a story about my mom where she would cry. She'd be laughing so hard. It was about the time my mom was about three or four years old. And they, you know, they had a, a Property and there were cats and there were you know dogs and there were a, a blackbird uh, red winged blackbird named Tweeter. My grandma would say Tweeter and the and the bird would come down land on the railing. And she'd hand feed this blackbird for years. I mean as know a bird doesn't live that long, but the other blackbirds figured it out and we called all of them Tweeter. Oh, there's four Tweeters. It's not Saturday night, yet I see multiple things. Like, it doesn't make sense, right? So literally, uh, she grew up in that way. Well, one time she hears the, the cats, for some reason they're between cats, and she heard my mom's little girl going, kitty, 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 kitty. And she, she saw, like, my mom out this window, kitty, kitty, kitty. She goes, we don't own a cat. And looks out the other window, and there's a skunk waddling, kitty, 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 kitty. There's a, there's a way that seems right to a three-year-old, but the end thereof really stinks, and in the same way, we're that way. I, we have been in places where it's, to us it's like, how could you believe that? But in the third world country, if a child gets dysentery and has diarrhea, it's not uncommon to cut off liquids because the problem obviously is the baby has too much water. And within 24 hours, the child is dead. But it, it, was, it was common sense, right? I don't know. God is love. We doing good so far? Love is blind. We okay? Stevie wonders God. You go, What? But it's a logical series of assumptions that lead to a ridiculous conclusion. Like, we love each other, so it's okay. Don't worry, I'll get it all paid off with easy payments until the interest is due, before the interest is due, or whatever it is. It's only one cupcake. All these things we lie to ourselves about. Right? A minute on the lips, a lifetime on the hips. That's the way it works. So when when we think of these things, there's a way that seems right, And by the way, there's a multi-billion dollar advertising business to make sure you believe what they want you to believe about what's right, right? But often it's wrong. If I fall in the water, I should thrash, I should scream, I should kick, I should slap the water. That's why I keep my head above and breathing. But if I fall into quicksand... It's it's the same thing, only completely different. I need to stay completely still. I need to be as loud as I can and get help. You fall into something. You fall into something, the right thing should be to to do the same thing. It's not. It's a different paradigm. It's a different set of circumstances. If I walk up to a fire, and I don't know what kind of fire it is. If it's a wood fire, what do you do to a wood fire? You throw what on it? Water. If it's a grease fire, what happens when you throw water on a grease fire? It becomes a larger grease fire. If it's an electric fire, you throw water on it. Two things happen. The, the, The fire goes out, and you get lit up. Right? So you gotta know, you gotta trust, you gotta let people instruct you, you gotta let the word of God tell you that's not a kitty, that's a skunk. That's not a skunk, that's a kitty, that's not a wood fire, that's a grease fire. And what God does throughout scripture is he tells us the answers to our tests before we have them. Now, if you didn't get the answers before you get the test, it's okay. When you go through the test, the answers are still there. So understand this: God doesn't command us to do the things that are come to us naturally. God didn't say, Jim, every so often you need to take a good deep breath. Jim, pie is good. Jim, when you're done eating that pie, you'd feel better if you took a mile-long walk. He doesn't tell us this. Why? He doesn't tell me to sleep. He commands me to rest, but he doesn't tell me to sleep. Why? Some things will come natural to us. When God gives us a commandment, it's because it doesn't come natural to us. He's telling us something that we wouldn't know until we grabbed the skunk, right? So God tells us to do things like (laughs) love sacrificially. Forgive our enemies. Well, where's the justice in that? Repent of the stuff you realize is wrong. To serve, to give. How does giving bless me? It, it doesn't make sense. But these things do not come naturally to us. So when God says this is wisdom, it is not at all uncommon for us to go, "Uh huh. What? I don't. I don't get that." So let's get into this today. What do you think God is? So I, I look through all of Proverbs. What are the key themes that don't make any sense to me? And the most glaring one was patience. It doesn't come natural to me. Anybody else? Anyone ever wake up feeling patient? I I never woke up and said, you know what, today, I hope the orange barrels are in bloom on US 23. (laughs) Today, when traffic goes down to one lane, and I get over as I should, I hope there's hundreds of cars that pass on the left, and that's why I'm sitting still. I hope a semi merges in the one lane that I have. And I, and I hope, I hope to have a friendly interaction with that trucker. That was actually a confession. It actually happened. I'm not number one. You're number one. I, I'm so that's, that's what really happened, right? But the Bible says this. It doesn't come natural, but this is what the Bible says. Here's the wisdom. It's better to be a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control than one who can take a city. You, you learn jujitsu. learn home defense, you know, learn how to shoot something a mile away or an inch away, like like defend yourself. That's okay. It, it, the Bible's not saying don't, don't be a warrior, but it says that you're gonna have more success in life. There's that occasional home invasion, but there's the everyday traffic. There's that irritating dude at the office. There's that neighbor with the dog that doesn't know how to lay tootsie rolls in their yard, only knows how to lay them in your yard, right? And no matter what you say, oh, he's such a good dog, he's such a good... And you're like, you know come here, puppy. It's, it's green. It came out of my radiator, but it's good for you. Drink it, right? Just anything. Because it's so like, if you won't control your dog, then I will, right? And the Bible says we shouldn't do that. What you learn in church today? Not to kill my neighbor's dog. This proverb really says this. You can accomplish more with God's strength than you can with your own. And so waiting to let God be strong or displaying the strength of God by waiting and trusting him, you're, you're, better, you're more powerful than the jiu-jitsu master. You're more powerful than the special forces sniper. You're more powerful. The guy that can keep it together when everybody else loses their head is going to be the guy that's in control, going to be in charge, right? It says this, a person's wisdom yields. Everybody say yield. yield. This is what comes out of wisdom. A person's wisdom, this is the fruit of it. It's patience. You can tell who the fool is. He's the guy who talks first and is irritated. The fool is the one that's like, oh, I can't believe it. I'm waiting here for four minutes for my Big Mac. You're making $12 an hour as a minimum wage job, and you're 14 years old. You said you were 16, but you lied about it. You're so responsible, and I, there's onions. Out. See, I'm offending people that work there. I'm sorry. Come back. Come back, right? Yeah. No, hear me. Guys, listen. If we can't keep our cool together at a fast food joint, then that's kind of foolish, right? Listen, this is interesting. The fruit of wisdom is patience. You know what one of the fruits, of one of the attributes of love is? When, when, when Paul is trying to describe what love is, the first thing he goes, well, love, love is what? Patient. He starts with patience. And, and, it, and it always perseveres. That's the last thing. The bookends of love is patience and perseverance. The fruit of, I know you love me. You know I love you. We know we love our nation. We know lo- we, whatever it is. We, we can tell there's love because we take our time. We don't get irritated right away. And we never give up hoping. Right? Same thing's true. Love is patient. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. What? Patience. And we know that love, the first one, is patience. Patience is all over Scripture. One of the greatest attributes, one of the ways we can tell if we are wise or we are fools, if we can hold it together at the DMV. If we're happy there, baby, you've arrived. Or if you want to see your kid sing in the school whatever but you have to listen to everybody else's kids sing first. As a grandparent, I cannot wait for the dance recitals, the seven-hour dance recitals, where it's rude to get up and leave, you know what I mean, but you don't want to stay. How many guys know, you're just grateful in moments like that that God created video games on a phone, it's brilliant. So you can just kind of... Frogger, 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 whatever, right? Right? The fruit of wisdom is patience. The fruit of love is patience. The fruit of the spirit is patience. Second thing we need to know about this, it's obvious that it's not obvious to us, but it's it's true. And this is why God tells us to handle this differently than what we want to. That's how to handle fools. How to handle people that don't don't have wisdom or they have it but they refuse to act upon it. There's there's two different types. As a matter of fact, it says this Proverbs chapter 16, uh, 26, rather. I love this. Do not, everybody say do not. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. Verse 5, answer a fool according to his folly, or he'll be wise in his own eyes. I've literally had people say, the Bible can't be true. That contradicts itself. I'm like, well, that's, that's kind of a foolish thing to say. Thank you for making a point. Listen, um, really what the Proverbs is saying is there's more than one kind of fool and you deal with people differently depending on where they are. Like, there's a foolishness. Like, don't answer a fool according to his folly. So in other words, there's a person doing something foolish, but if they're doing it like they they're just, they know the right thing to do, but they're so upset, or they're so moved, or they're so emotional, or they're having such a bad day, or they're such angry people. Like, they know the right thing to do. They choose not to do it. And when we engage in arguments with those people, we actually make their day while well, you ruin yours. Do not engage a fool when he's being foolish. Don't do that. Otherwise, their anger will soon become your anger. Anybody experienced that one last year? I'm doing good. Just a minute. They said, what? What happened? Don't engage a fool where they're being foolish. Because if you do, you become just as foolish as they are. And God help you, if you get your thumbs out and start swinging away, now the whole world gets to see, not Jesus, really but the people that need his mercy, right? But there's another kind of foolishness. Um, answer a fool according to his folly or he'll be wise in his own eyes. So sometimes people just don't know. So it, it's wonderful. Like, I have learned so much about what I didn't know in the last year by listening. I am so glad that in my foolishness, people have taken the time to say, but there really is another side to this, Jim, and you should stop and listen to this for a second. Like, well, I, don't, I don't need to, I know the right thing. I'm, I'm an old, white, conservative, evangelical. I know everything. Two giggles. That's, that's a little sad. It's like, don't say anything about conservative, Democrat, or liberal, Republican. It's just okay. I just know this, that as I've listened to people that should have been my enemies, when I listen to them, I learned something. And when they listen to me, they learn something. And in the end, it wasn't division. It was unity. Even if we disagreed agreeably. We need more of that, right? So you should answer a fool according to his following. People should. When I say something, they should, can I just call you on that? Can I just ask you a question? Can I just point something out? Like, don't, don't be so close-minded. Be open-minded. Now, at the same time, I'm so open-minded, but my, my brain didn't fall out. Scripture is still Scripture. God's still God. Truth is still truth. But that's what brought us together was not you changed my mind, and I'm like you, or I changed your mind, and you're like me. It's that we changed our minds, and now we're like Jesus. That's the win, right? Another thing that it helps us with is how to deal with quarrels. Now, you may or may not know this. I think I've given you enough illustrations that, and I've said it often enough. I don't struggle with alcoholism. I don't struggle with pornography. I don't struggle with the things that were huge addictive battles in my life. I, you know, by the grace of God, I am sober. Um, I, I am in love with my wife or whatever the rest of that sentence is. But I want you to know this. My temper has been something I have dealt with. And I, I, It's funny. There's a season where no one, no one wanted to volunteer in the technical area because how many guys know when something goes wrong, I have a small reaction to it sometimes. And no one wants to be on the other end of that button going, Oh, dear God, it's not working. Oh, no. And, hey, could you guys click that for me? I, listen, I, would you guys get that? And finally, they just kind of go, I just don't want to go to church here anymore, right? So, who wants to volunteer in the technical ministry? They're like, No. <laughs> so, finally, my son pulled me aside and he responded to a fool according to his folly. And he said, Hey, no one wants to serve around anymore because you're a jerk. And I'm like, Wow, that was so true. I, I can't. Didn't either evidence. It's recorded. It's online. Me throwing a tantrum because the slide didn't come up or something really crucial in my life, right? But I'm a fighter. And 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 I, I've wrestled with that. I mean, my whole life. I have wrestled with not just going, oh yeah, and just you know what I mean? But I learned something the other day. I looked it up, the name Wigan. I thought I wonder what the name Wiegand means. Wieg is German for fight. And a and a vegan is is a fighter. And I went. It makes so much sense now. I'm a pit bull. I can, I can cuddle, but my jaw's lock. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's in me. I was bred to kill people. (laughs) And then they gave me a microphone. What do you think is gonna happen? But, but I'm saying that to simply say this, right? There's, I naturally look for a fight. But remember, what comes natural is not always what comes best. And being transformed by the renewing of my mind. Catching that. I, I, I could just say to people, it's just the way I am. I got a hot head. You don't like it? Don't be around me. Or I could say, I'm not like Jesus yet. And I ask for your forgiveness as he patiently, patiently, patiently knocks off big pieces that don't look like him out of my life. And by you telling me that I hurt you, by you t- correcting me, by me receiving that, I'm, I'm a wiser man for it. Thank you for that. Does that make sense? I, just the way I am. Or I'm not like Jesus is. One, I I just settle with my own foolishness. One is, God, please make me different, right? So remember this. I look for quarrels, and my mouth is a machine gun. My thumbs are grenade launchers. And, And what I have had to deal with this last year is like hold your peace, inner peace, inner, inner, inner peace. Remember, Mr. Shifu, inner, inner, could somebody hold that noise down? Inner peace, right? Like, literally, I'm that guy, and then the duck lands with bad news. Like, that—that that is what I felt like for this for this last year. So this is what it says, right? Here we go, Proverbs says this. It says, like, one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel, not their own. Hi, puppy, what's gonna happen? Remember that guy that used to have a lip? He got his face torn off. And this is what used to happen. I used to like getting my face torn off because it gave me an excuse to tear yours off. That's where I started this journey. Then I was afraid to engage anybody because I'm going to tear their face off. Now it's like, you know what? Let me feed the stray dog from a distance, pet it, learn to trust it, and now we can be honest with each other. You're going to get bit. If you rush into quarrels, not your own. Right? Look at this. It's to one's honor. Remember, wisdom was patient. It's to one's honor to avoid strife. But every fool, man, they're just looking to fight about stuff. Right? Look at this. This is Timothy now. We're jumping out of Proverbs, but this does it so well. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Stop. He didn't say foolish or stupid issues. He said foolish or stupid arguments. Body of Christ, hear me. You have the truth. You are the salt. You are the light. And we need to engage. Not in arguments, but in solutions. We, we shouldn't be quiet. Does that make sense? We should have something to say about this. But in that, we shouldn't argue about things. We should instruct. I going to say that in just a minute. Because you know that, that these arguments, they produce quarrels, this ongoing feud, the Hatfield McCoys, right? And the Lord's servant, here's a commandment, must not be quarrelsome, vegans but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Look at this. Opponents, he must gently instruct and hope that God will grant them repentance. They'll change their mind. They'll be led to a knowledge of the truth, and they'll come to their senses, and they'll escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Please hear my heart. Please hear my heart. I don't like to talk about 2020 anymore, but I just, like every once in a while, just in case you're still there, you're wrestling with, you're helping people through this, listen to me. The most unhappy people I know are the people that are still lost in the arguments, it's okay to be consumed in the issues with solutions. It's not okay to be mad at the people you have those issues with. Body of Christ, hear me. 2020. I'm sorry, my mic clipped out. I, let me say again. 2020. But that was last year. This year is a year to clean up the mess. This year is a year to reconcile. Are the issues still there? Maybe, but let's talk about the issues. But let's not argue. Let's not be resentful. If we could do anything to undo the damage we've done on the body of Christ, it's to be more merciful than the world, which we should have been all along, by the way. But if we failed there, we don't have to fail here. It's, it's okay to say, can I talk to you? Now the dust has settled. I hated you for six months about that one thing. You offended me. You hurt me. You scared me. But we need to have lunch together and work this out because Jesus lives in you, I think, and Jesus lives in me, I think. We got to get the devil out of both of us. It's time to deal with this, right? Now, remember, I didn't say issues. I said arguments. There's a difference. An argument is, an issue is there's somebody, hey, I'd still like to talk to you about you know, this or I'd like to talk to you about that. An argument is you see them in VG's and you jump into the frozen pea aisle because I, I don't see that person. If there's, a, if there's a person you can't have a conversation with, you need to have a conversation today. It's time. But what if they, but what they said, what if they don't apologize? What if I, what if they said... It takes two people to have an argument. It takes one person to be a fool. It takes two people to have an argument. It takes two people that want to not be foolish anymore to resolve an argument. But if you're not a fool, there will not be an argument. Lastly, let's talk about this. The incredible power of words. Words can bring healing. Somebody say amen can't tell you the number of times I've been in this place and somebody said something. It's like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. I hope that's for you today. Maybe this sermon is resonating with you in some way, or maybe it's helping. But I, I've been in the receiving end where someone just said something like, man, that just summed it up. Like, I, it's over with. That dilemma, that crisis, that that conflict, that war, it's over with. Words can bring healing. Look at this, Proverbs 12. The words of the reckless, you know what they do. They, they pierce like swords. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. How do I know if my words are wise? They shouldn't pierce in in a sense of killing. They they can wound. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, right? They can be hard to hear, but in the end, there should be something that brings healing, not just more disease, right? Words can calm people down. A gentle answer (laughs) turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I remember Dina's abusive childhood, my anger issue. Gee, I wonder how our marriage is going to be the first five years, right? I remember just getting so mad. Just talk to me. And she'd drop me on and clang up on the phone. Right? So, yeah, we needed counseling. But we were pastors, so we couldn't have it because we were perfect, you know, and hiding all that garbage and terrible, terrible stuff. But I remember I learned no matter how angry I get, that's my problem, and I don't need to make it hers, so gentle answers. I, I remember we were married 25 years, been married 32 years. It was 22, 25 years, somewhere in there. We are getting ready to have an argument. How many of us can feel the contractions coming on? You know, a baby's on the way. All right? Here comes another one. You know, and that's it. We're going, okay, I, I guess there's no avoiding it now. Breathe. And I, I said, listen, we're about to have a gully washer. You and I both know this. I reached my hand out. I said, but I want you to know something. I'm, I'm Words of affirmation, physical touch. Whose love language? Hers? No, mine. I love you. I just want you to love you. She said, okay, okay, all right. I just need to tell you something. When you get condescending like that and pet me, it drives me insane. <laughs> I thought, you know, after 25 years of arguing, I'm just, I'm just like petting me now. I don't know what to do. It's just nature. I'm sorry you feel that way. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do, right? So a gentle... But I know this. As soon as I get mad, she shuts down. and I've wounded my wife. So i got to stay gentle. But how many of us you know this? If one of you is gentle, the, a, a person who fights a mad dog is a courageous person. A person who kicks a puppy is an idiot. And when I enter an argument saying whatever it's going to be, however it's going to be, she went, listen, I know you're upset. We're going to talk about it. I just want you to know I love you. We're going to stay calm. Go ahead. A gentle answer. There's no room for screaming at someone when they're, when they're gently responding back. I literally have been in places where people are wanting to hurt me, like physically, fists out, going to come after me. I put my hands in my pockets. How many of you guys know marriage counseling is a lot of fun? I put my hands in my pockets and just said, you know what, I'm sorry you feel that way. And I, if I've hurt you, I apologize. But I, I, I would ask one thing. Just please consider what I just said. I, I think you're upset for more than one reason. If I said, hey, listen, man, back off! Bad dog. Well, we've been on the ground tumbling around, and in 100 years, a suppressed vegan would come out in that and it'd be local pastor, you know, put in jail again. It just doesn't. Why do you have a frequent flyer card at the county jail? It's not right, Jim, you know. Punch card. Get arrested 10 times, 11th time, you get out free. It's wonderful. <laughs> I almost made a New York City joke, but I won't. I'll leave it alone. But know this, that when your words are gentle, it's hard to keep beating up someone that goes, man, you're I hurt you. I apologize. No, you did hurt me. I, I know. I'm so sorry. I don't accept your apology. Man, that's, wow, that's really rough, you know. Hey, I, can we talk about this? If you scream back, nobody wins. How many of us know in marriage, in friendships, in church, in the body of Christ, in a nation, if we're divided, we'll be conquered. But if we can figure out a way, if one of us will be the bigger person and be crucified instead of being the one who's crucifying others, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Words can cheer somebody up. Look at this. Anxiety weighs the heart down. But a kind word cheers it up. Hey. Yeah, you put on 20 pounds in the last year, but you don't sweat much for a fat guy. It's going to be okay. Like, you're... And look at this. Words can just be really good. A person finds joy in giving an apt reply. And how good is a timely word? How good is it when somebody goes, yeah, but this? And you go, oh, I told you the story about the wrestling with issues, about giving and all that kind of stuff. The guy said, yeah, well, for every mile of the road, there's two miles of ditch. Jim, just stay out of the ditch and teach what is clearly in the road. I went, it's like that apt word. I remember the joy. It's like, I just helped that kid. I was like, man, that was so good. How many know that our words can be really good if we choose wisdom? It doesn't come naturally to us becomes natural, you punch me, I punch you back. Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, life for a life. What's natural is you use words to hurt me, I use words to hurt you back. What, what's natural is arguments and foolishness. And But but what's supernatural is God saying, turn the other cheek now. And this comes back to this last thing. This is where we started. This is where we'll end, all right? It's the fear of the Lord. When, remember I talked about the fear of the Lord. I, I was back in the I don't know, this is probably six weeks now, I was back in the men's coffee area and I, there was empty chairs and I went and sat in the middle of the empty chairs, plenty of space on either side. One of the guys, I won't say who, but one of the guys said something along the lines, what's the matter? Are you, are you, afraid, of, are you afraid of COVID? It Just being a wise, we we're buddies and we're hanging out. And I, I, without a moment's thought, I said, I'm not afraid of COVID, I'm afraid of Dina because Dina's concerned with me because Dina loves me, because Dina cares about me. Dina's asked me to care about myself in a way that would not come naturally to me. I wouldn't care, but I care so much about her that her cares have become my cares. Does that make sense? Her values are my values. And by the way, I can live recklessly all I want, but she's not allowed to because I care for her and I love her. I don't want her to be harmed. One of the reasons she's not here right now, she said, I'm just going to come to her. I said, babe, you can't. One more week. Just give it one more week. And, you know, you pushed her at the wedding yesterday. Like just, so when we don't know the right thing to do, someone who cares about us tells us because they care about us more in that moment than we care about ourselves. Does that make sense? So the fear of the Lord. I'm not afraid of Dina. So it's not like the fear that I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of taking a, a care that is that great and unique in my life. That consistent, that stalwart, that steady for 32 years of marriage and harming it in any way, shape or form. She makes me love me more than I love me without her. Does that make any sense? She makes me be a better man than I would be if she wasn't, you know, I remember she told talking about getting in touch with my feminine side. I says, "Babe, I don't have a feminine side. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't even know what that. I'm offended even wanting to think about what that might mean. I just get in touch with your feminine side. Like, no. I want to get in touch with your feminine side. You know. I love you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We can edit that for Roselyn. Right. But she makes me somehow a better man. And think of this way. God cares for you. Does he not? God has a concern for you and your well-being. God has an investment in you. God loves you. So the fear of the Lord isn't like, if I cross this line, God's going to smack me and play whack-a-mole with his judgment. It's not what's being said. What's what's being said is this. He cares about us so much that it makes it hard for me not to care about me the way that he cares about me. So when he says, listen, here's the answer to the question. There's going to be fools, and you might even be one. You certainly will be one sooner or later. And this is the way we get through life together. And this is the way we resolve issues. And it's going to take some courage, it's going to take some trust. It's going to take some faith. But if you'll trust my word more than you'll trust your feelings, if you'll trust my ways more than you trust your ways, if you'll let my love and concern make you a better man, my love and concern if you make you a better woman, then this whole life becomes a, a father-son project. It becomes a daddy-daughter dance. It becomes highly relational. And and when you love you the way I love you, you will live in holiness. But if I stand and say, holiness, uh, no more makeup, uh, no more earrings, uh, I'm talking to the men. Uh. Well, you might do it because you're scared, or you might do it because you want to fit in, you might do it, but, but as soon as you're out of here, you, you paint the barn. It, we don't want a hypocrisy, we want relational holiness. Holiness because He's holy and He cares for us. Righteousness because He's right. We do things His way. And and that isn't an enforced man-to-man thing. That's a relational thing. I'm a better man because I married a wonderful woman who loves me. I'm a better man because I have a wonderful Heavenly Father who loves me. Am I everything she wants me to be, everything I can be for her, everything He wants me to be, everything I can be for Him? No. What keeps me coming back, though, is the sense that they keep believing in me regardless of my failures. They keep seeing me better than I am, and they keep drawing greatness out of me. And I just say this to you. Listen, when, when what we do and what we don't do, because of who we love, that's the greatest way to live. I do what I do. I don't do what I don't do. I am who I am because of who I love, because of who loves me. That's the way we are created to live. Does that make sense? So we're not getting C minuses. We're not a 7 out of 10. We're in relationship and we're growing, but we're not in relationship. We hope that one exists that will be there for us someday. As we close today, let me just say this to you. If God is a, a, a concept or a book or a, a law that you're, you're not obeying or a fear that's inordinate or a, a, an unpleasable judge, you're, you're missing some really amazing parts of God. You're missing the father part. And if you're a father, you know what that means. How many times did your daughter or son not make their bed before you threw them out of the house and said, never come back again? You never would, because your relationship isn't predicated on the bed. Your relationship is predicated on that they're your son, they're your daughter. If you're not safe yet in your relationship with God, if you don't believe that He's enough and what He's done is enough and that His love is sustaining and that He'll be there for you and that He'll never leave you, He'll never forsake you, and you're still working this Galatians hybrid, Old Testament law, New Testament grace, kind of some combination or on a scale of one to 10, be brutally honest, how's your relationship with God? You go, oh, seven, four, five, two, three because you're in a drive through window, orange barrel season, in church worshiping. It, it, if God loves you enough to save you when you're a sinner, how much does He love you now? He's the one who initiated the relationship, not you. He's an adoptive Father who pointed a divine eternal finger into mankind and said, I want you. I choose you. Now, in that relationship, will you daily choose Him? If you are being graded and judged and critiqued and man, it's hard to be in a relationship with anybody like that. God's not like that. The only score He keeps is Jesus 10, the devil 0, which side will you be on? So, Father, as we close out today, I pray, I pray that our hearts would respond to a Father's love, not to uh, an ordinance of a church or a doctrine or... All those things are great. I don't mean to belittle them, but but if every word in Scripture doesn't lead us back to the heart of the author, then, then why have the laws if we don't know the heart of the one who gave us the laws. If every verse of wisdom only leads back to how foolish we are and how we're not there yet, maybe someday and on our deathbed I'll get it right. Someday when it's when I'm better. Help, help us to realize it, it's, it's as silly as someone saying, when I get in shape, I'll go to the gym. One comes out of the other. A relationship with you predicates everything else. So I pray today for not right, for not engaged, if we're not here, if we're not yours, if you're not ours, then God, open our hearts that much wider. Forgive us of every misconceived, every believed lie, every doctrinal error, and certainly God, every sin we have willingly committed or omitted. In the end, the only one that will ever judge us with finality will be you. So if I think I'm great, you think I'm not. Or if they think I'm great, you think I'm not. Or you think I'm great, and they think I'm not. All that matters is you. Jesus, let us clearly see the mercy of the cross, the power of the resurrection, the blessing of the infilling of the Spirit, the instruction and foundation of your word. Let us live as dearly loved children of the Most High God. If you're here today, you're like, man, I needed that. I want to do one last thing. Has to take the noun of that revelation turn to the verb of your action. If that's you, I want you to just in a moment and raise your hand. And my eyes won't be open. I don't, I don't, this is for you. Uh, this isn't a firm or, or whatever for me. It's just simply here. Memorial Day weekend. Man, I, I need this. I needed this today. I need to get closer to God. I thought you would you raise your hand right now all over this room. Thank you, Father, for mercy and truth and love for every open heart and uplifted hand in this room. In Jesus' name. in the silence of this closing moment. I'd like us to do something a little bit different today. I'm going to dismiss you in a moment and you'll be able to go whenever you're ready. But it's Memorial Day weekend. Many, many veterans in the room, people that have literally shed their blood on foreign battlefields. They came home and and today there's those that, that did not come home. We're a nation of heroes. You ever been to Arlington or Great Lakes Cemetery? You'll see just mile after mile of straightly lined tombstones for people that in war and in peace gave their lives for this country I'd like to do this before you leave today wherever you are just silently before you get up and walk out would you just say a prayer for this nation would you say a prayer for the families of the fallen would you pray that God would bless the United States of America with his best and greatest blessing ever and would you just be grateful to memorialize those who served and he's going to play piano for another two or three minutes. And whenever there's a good number of people that have kind of finished that and they've walked out, so be it. But if you're watching online, same thing. Don't, don't just turn off the broadcast. We serve a, a prayer-answering God, and it's right to give honor to whom honor is due. We gather in a free nation to freely declare the truths of the living God because other people did the unthinkable. They paid the highest price so that we could have the freedoms we have now. So a moment of silence, and whenever you've concluded that prayer, you're free to quietly quietly get up and leave the room. Once you get outside those doors, man, bring it on. And enjoy some fellowship. We're going to begin that moment of silence now.